Hi, welcome to Thrifty Cast, episode 115. This is Eric. And this is Kathleen. How are you doing? I'm okay. I just had dinner. Not very good pizza, but, you know, not very good pizza is still pizza. Um, I would have thought that until the pizza that we had when you were visiting. The pizza that Patrick oh, ordered. I did, yeah, I didn't try that. Yeah, I, and um, it's getting to the point where I don't remember the last time I had really remarkable good pizza. Yeah, this was just frozen. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was fine for what I paid for it. Yeah. Give me a couple meals, and it was fast, so... Well, I've had some, like, really good frozen pizzas, though. Yeah, this this was an adequate frozen pizza. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you? Um, Good. I feel like I have so much to talk about related Oops. to thrifting. Um, Where to start? The um, other day, I sat down, I was on YouTube, and I was watching a video of Crazy Lamp Lady thrifting. Uh-huh. Um, and it was... Interesting. She pointed out that she noticed that the prices were higher. Okay. And she's uh, based out of uh, Pennsylvania, right? Mm. And she picked something up, and the question that she asked herself I thought was an interesting one, you know, because she just sort of talks to herself as she's thrifting. Yeah. You know, talking to the audience. And she said, huh, is this a price I would pay at an antique mall for this? I was like, oh, I guess we are in a place now where that's kind of the question you would ask yourself. Like, would this be a very good deal at an antique mall or a vintage shop? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you th- what do you think? Um, I I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I'm trying to get why this is like. The, why this struck you um i definitely pick up things and i i see that but i've always picked up things in thrift stores and thought oh my god they are reaching for vintage store here and they're not mm-hmm. so that to me is not a new thing the scale of it is probably different right five years ago it was ten dollars and now it's fifteen dollars that they're asking for whatever you know fantasy item we're talking about um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, that's not the question I asked myself. I think we talked about this. The question I asked myself is, am I willing to pay this price? Do I want it enough for this price? Which is the question I've always asked myself. Um, but I ask it, I think, more aggressively now. I, I feel like what's hard about that is that for me, that's too amorphous, Right. Um, and what I tend to fall into is just noticing that the prices are higher than they used to be, and I would prefer to pay the old price. So, you know, I end up in this uh, kind of quandary with it, but the fact of the matter is, when I go to vintage and antique malls, I'm extremely cheap, right? And so, now it's like, in thrift stores, it's more, is this would I consider this more of like a great deal at a vintage mall? And that actually helps me with my decision-making about whether mm-hmm. to leave the store with it. For for example, um, there's a vintage store in 
the town just west of us called Westfield. Um, and they have, you know, the one I'm talking about, the whatnot shop. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and their prices are like fairly comparable to thrift these days. Um, in fact, I'm going to, even though it's a vintage shop, I'm, my find of the week is going to be from there. Because it was at effectively what I see as thrift store prices. So I, I don't know. It's almost changing my idea about sort of how to treat thrift stores in general or how to see them. The change in price structure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting you say this because on the way home from, from visiting you last time, I stopped at what was described as an antique mall, mm-hmm. um, Gainesville. And, you know, it had some, it had some decent booths. It also had some real junk and it definitely was not an antique mall. It was a mix of things. You know, there was some crafty things. There was some junk. There was some like, I'm reselling this mid-level marketing stuff that I didn't sell. Like, you know, it was a whole mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a booth there that kind of had me, I think, going in a similar direction that you're going. I bought a couple pieces of pottery in it, and each one I looked at, I thought, other other than one, I paid a little bit more than I probably would expect to see in a thrift store. Mm-hmm. But it was a really coy, good size plant pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that probably, like, if somebody had recognized, you know, probably would have wound up behind the counter. Um, but they were all good prices, really, really good prices, closer to what you would expect in a thrift. Yep. So, I mean, I I think to me, it's sort of, you have like a variety of different ways to shop in your, I don't want to use the word arsenal, but you know, in your bag, Yeah. right? Your tool bag. And thrifts were kind of the go-to spot. Mm-hmm. Going back to our discussion about value, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like that was where you got the absolute best value. And you just can't assume that anymore. And you haven't been able to assume that for a while. I don't and, right. and, I mean it's hard. I, I mean I think you're right, but it feels new to me. Like this perceptual shift feels mm-hmm. like it's been in the last, I don't know, three, four, five months. Where Oh no. I, I think if we looked back, it's longer than that. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right about that because I've been complaining about the Reedsburg thrift store, Uh, you know, uh, ad nauseum. So, um, yeah. Um, Another thing related to Crazy Lamp Lady, though, is that I um, have to give a shout out to her channel because one of the things is she's looking for things to resell. Often she'll pick something up and say, oh, I was hoping this was Glassy Baby. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what Glassy Baby was. Um, but I when I was in Chicago recently with you thrifting, I picked up something that was not dissimilar from the thing she picks up. And I looked at the bottom and sure enough, it said Glassy Baby. And it was a buck 20 and I picked it up. And then when I got to the car, I found it on eBay and it's selling not just listed, but it's selling for like 200 to 250 bucks. Mind-blowing. It is the most nondescript 
glass candle holder you've ever seen. Like, yeah, I would have walked past that just like, oh, you know, somebody might be into this, but it's not my thing. But like, I mean, I knew it wasn't dollar store. Like yeah. I knew that about it, but Pier One maybe? Sure. Plus Plus? Yeah. I don't know. Marshalls? Like it gave me that vibe. Uh-huh. It definitely gave me that vibe. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. She definitely, she definitely put you in the right direction there. Yeah. So, you know, that as a research tool, like having those um, internet things where you're seeing resellers look for just weird stuff that I would never notice otherwise. Um, yeah, if if anybody listening is curious to see what it's like, if you look up Glassy Baby, that's all one word. Um, and the one that I found is the Candy Cane votive holder. So if you look up Glassy Baby Candy Cane, you can see what it looks like and prepare to be totally underwhelmed kind of what it looks like. Unless you're totally into Glassy Baby, and if that case, good for you. Yeah. I don't get it, but good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, people like all kinds of different things. Yeah. But yeah, talk about a whole world that I was not aware of when I Googled that. Well, and how many um, how many times does that happen that there are things sitting on the oh, shelves yeah. that, you know, that somebody would highly value that would never occur to me? Well, yeah, that's why it's great to go to the thrift store. Right? Well, of course. Because uh, it's the mix of total crap and that one great thing that appeals to you, mm-hmm. but other things that are appealing to other people. Like it's, yeah, that's yeah. why it's good. Yep. So I gave it to the woman who runs the um, mall where we have a booth um, because she does eBay stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to package it. I don't want to take pictures of it. I don't want to list it. So she was kind enough to sort of take that stuff over and it's just going to get sort of folded into the stuff we're selling in the booth. Um, but that, I mean, that was a pretty amazing find. So not, not for my home, but for someone's. Somebody's. Um, what's your find of the week since you just, um, my find of the week, right. Um, my find of the week, I found this, I think it's like a 1920s pedestal bowl that's this, it's underpainted, and it has this really beautiful kind of amber color in this stark black rim. It's, um, I don't know, it's pretty lovely. Um, I kind of want to keep it, but, you know, I, I'm kind of all... F- Pull up on bowls, <laughs> right? And we the, don't, cat, the cats don't need a bowl, right? Um, well, it's funny. Like now, it's like the cats do eat their food out of like vintage, like, you know, <laughs> which um, feels cool. That's nice. Really, really nice bowls. <laughs> yeah, um, or interesting bowls. In some cases, like they're great bowls, but the design's a little scratched, or maybe there's a little bit of staining in it. And that's their food bowls and water bowls. So, um, I don't know. It it uh, it adds an elegant touch. To I'm be, sure they appreciate it. Yeah. Now I just wish I could find something super elegant as a litter box, but I think that's pretty far-fetched. <laughs> and really, like, do you want to make a super elegant litter box? Like, vessel turned gross. Is it weird that I do? Because, honestly. It is weird, yeah. Okay. That is weird. Okay. I 
Don't judge. Those of you at home, don't judge. Uh, my find of the week. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was got well, I, I'm going to do a find of the week and then one kind of related to yours. Um, when we threw it together um, to oh, like a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. I found a blue um, cornflower blue spiral planter. It's from American Bisque. Um, that I liked. It was at Goodwill. It was $1.99, marked down from $2.99. Oh. Which, it's a good size. Like I said before, I'm really trying to work on larger planters because I'm in the process of repotting every plant I have because they've all gotten root-bound. So that was a good deal, and it's just a good good size. Um, But kind of like Eric said, so that, that Janesville antique, in quotes, mall that I stopped in, I bought four pieces of pottery in one booth. That's the only stuff I bought there. And one of the things I bought was for $4. So, you know, good price. Um, A very heavy matte kind of light pink. Um, It was described as a cup, but it had handles on each side. So I did not see it as a cup. I just saw it as sort of a weird you know, small base. It turns out it is a sugar bowl. I was just thinking with handles on either side, I'm like, wow, that sounds a lot like a sugar bowl. Yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to identify the pottery that made it based on the bottom mm-hmm. um, and the handles, and I had zero luck. Like, I was really reaching. So I finally posted it on one of the Facebook pages I'm on, and somebody immediately was like, oh, that's Ames Pottery. Oh. They existed from 1935 to 1940. Wow. So people know this stuff. Um, but yeah, so for $4, and it, it was um, an uncovered, so it's not missing a cover. It was an uncovered sugar bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it had a little creamer that went with it. But I'm displaying it as its own little pot mm-hmm. with my bases. And for again, for that price, $4, totally a thrift store price. Would have absolutely paid that in the thrift store. Um, it was definitely my best deal at that antique mall. Yeah. So that's kind of my related to yours by the week. And I'm sort of charmed by the fact that it is a sugar bowl that arguably, I mean, you can use anything as a vase or a planter in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I love um, if there are pictures that have chips on them mm-hmm. i um found an uh jewel tea autumn leaf pitcher uh i think it's like a supposed to be like a coffee urn that's missing oh. a lid originally they came with a lid and you can see the lip where the lid's supposed to be but it was like a buck 20 or something so like you know i didn't want to pass it up so i bought it and then when i got it home i'm like what am i going to do with this and I, I was thinking it would be great to have a plant in there yeah ivy would be really good yeah or what do they call the you know those it's sort of like a dark green heart-shaped leaf you gave me one once they're hard to kill which is why you gave it to me (laughs) um oh i i don't know the name of that plant but i i know what you mean they are hard to kill yeah and in fact it's living its best life and it's in my office at work in a pot that I thrifted, so. Yay. 
but yeah, I love that. Um, I, I've just been like, especially on TikTok and whatnot, I've been sort of obsessed with seeing people's plants. And I think I, it started when I was at your place and noticed how great your plants looked. Thank you. It is really easy when you're online to get obsessed with people's plants. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I really, I stick to the uh, hard to kill plants because really I'm, I'm adequate with plants, but once I get any fancier with plants, I don't do well. Mm-hmm. I, I've killed many of the more ex- more exotic for me plants that I've attempted. So I really do try to, even if I my plants are repetitive, I try to keep them in the, the easy spectrum. <laughs> well, whenever I see the a descriptor that it thrives with neglect, I'm like, yep. that, that's those are my people. That's that's what I need. So, yeah. Um, should we go into topic? Yeah. Okay. So let's hear it. So so this is a thing that I love, and it's sock monkeys. Oh. I kind of can't believe I haven't talked about them before. Oh yeah. Uh, Drive home from Eric's. I saw the sign for the sock monkey museum, Mm -hmm. which is prominently displayed in one of the overpasses. Uh, The museum is in Long Grove, Illinois. And I thought, one, why have I never gone to that museum? Right. I really should make a little trip. And two, why have I never talked about sock monkeys? I mean, I know I've talked about them on the podcast, but as a thing that I love. So, sock monkeys, it's the day. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on history because weirdly enough, there's not like super clear history about kind of how people started making sock monkeys. Mm -hmm. The history of the socks is really clear. And those also have an Illinois connection. They're from Rockford, Illinois. Oh. So Rockford, I pass through or or edge on my way to Eric's. It's about an hour and a half outside of Chicago. And um, it was a work sock. The, The company that really like made them famous with the red heel which is essential for the sock monkey. They had this innovation where they were able to make the sock on a loom, you know, so people didn't have to do it by hand without a seam. This was big news in the late 1800s, early 1900s, because it saved time. Other people started copying it and they actually up to this point had not had red heels, but in order to make their socks stand out, they added the red heel at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So they did that in, oh, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, 1932. Um, they added this red heel so that they could try to like get ahead of all the imposters that were flooding the market with probably inferior socks. And 1932, this would be the Great Depression. So the thought is around that time, people started using the socks to make sock monkeys. At the end of the Victorian area era, stuffed animals had become really, really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that people would, when they were trying to be thrifty, use things, again, Great Depression, like socks and scraps to make toys. So there were other sock animals that existed mm-hmm. before the monkey. But with this specific, the one you're thinking of, the brown with the red smiling mouth, that 
would come after Nelson, you know, hosiery company or whatever made their fancy socks with the red heels. Um, And so sometime in the thirties, right. People started making them, but what I was reading is that most of the ones that you find now were made sometime the socks themselves between the the sock monkeys between the fifties and the Mm seventies. That's the most, that was sort of like the boom era for sock monkeys kitschy there were a lot of socks by this point floating around they were if you've ever seen the socks they're heavy work socks mm-hmm. uh, they're not inexpensive they're not easy to find either mm-hmm. the last i know you could get them was um farm and fleet i know had them yeah and starting in the 50s they actually started putting some instructions for the sock monkey in the package so when you buy a pack of real Red Heel, Nelson socks, you can get the instructions. There are also kits. There are also books that have instructions of not just sock monkeys, but other sock animals, which we can talk about too. But um, that's kind of the the history of the sock monkey. Boom period, definitely 50s to 70s when people were doing more kitschy crafts. Do we know why monkeys took off? In I mean, it's sort of famously about monkeys. I know there are other animals, but... But monkeys are the big one. Sure. Not really. Hmm. Monkeys got popularized, again, end of the Victoria era, Victorian era, by some particular books. Like, monkeys became really popular. Uh-huh. So, but, but that's a long way to the 30s. Yeah. So, no. Just like there's not really clear documentation because... This was a craft that people did on their own, at home, out of the materials they had. Mm-hmm. There's just not really clear lineage for the sock monkey. What makes for the perfect sock monkey? What do you look for uh, in thrifts? Well, the reason why they're so appealing, not just to me, lots of people collect sock monkeys. Mm -hmm. I I have a couple, and I will answer your question, I swear. Um, (laughs) I have a couple, like, photo books about sock monkeys, and one of them is called Sock Monkey, and then in parentheses, 200 out of 1,863. So when this book was published... This person had a collection of 1,863 sock monkeys, and the book focuses on 200. They did, like, portraits of 200 of the sock monkeys. Um, What's interesting about them is how unique they are. When home crafters, and there are mass-produced sock monkeys. um, I'm not talking about those. I'm really talking about the handmade ones. Mm -hmm. When home crafters got their hands on these socks, they just kind of went wild, right? The actual creation of the monkey is easy. Mm-hmm. It's what you do with the eyes and the little face, and do you give them eyelashes and eyebrows, and do you make hats and clothes? So that, to me, is why they're appealing. And what makes a good one is one that has extras. Mm-hmm. So it's at. It's got maybe a little outfit. Um, it has a special, sometimes there are button eyes or, um, you know, little funky ears and they put earrings on. So it's like the, it's the accoutrement 
that go with the sock monkey that make it really, really pop. Mm-hmm. Those are my A sock monkey with a fez, a sock monkey with, you know, a little dress. Um, that's what, what I really get excited about. They are not easy to find. That's just what I was about to ask. How often do you find them? <laughs> the last one I got was the one you found for me at the Dig and Save. Yep, it was in a bin. And, uh, you know, because it's Dig and Save, it's by the pound. So I probably ended up spending, I don't know, 35 cents, 40 cents, maybe? Yeah. Definitely my least expensive sock monkey, and it's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have extras. I'm not looking at it right now, so I, I can't remember exactly what extras it has. Um, even, I mean, I, I worked two days at an antique store, you know, a vintage antique store. I hardly, and, and a lot of what I do is cleaning and unpacking, like stuff coming into the store. I hardly ever see sock monkeys. Mm. Like they just don't. They don't come in a lot. Um, so I don't know if some of it is they were made as toys. They had their run and people threw them away and they got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this person who had 1,863 of them, that was in 2000, just kept collecting <laughs> and they kept them all. <laughs> They're all at the museum in Long Grove. I don't know. Um but they are not easy to find and finding one is a pretty, pretty big day. Um, so it's sort of a, a, what a white whale. Uh, yeah. Um, I look, um, the great thing about sock monkeys, if they're out there, they're easy to find. They're usually with the stuffed animals in that pattern, especially with the red, is unmistakable. What happens more often than not, I'll get really excited and then grab one and there's a tag hanging off of it that says, you know, made in China. Um, I think there was a while, like, I don't know, maybe in the early aughts, mid aughts, that there was like a sock monkey resurgence. Yes. And... Oh, yeah. And um, so, you know, I would say a good nine times out of ten when you do find a sock monkey, it's a manufactured one, which is fine. I mean, they're they're still cute. They're still kind of great to have around. But you're right. The, the one way that I can spot a good sock monkey and how I know it's, um, oh, it has a hat with like a pom-pom on it and a vest. Mm-hmm. And um, on the vest, there's like uh, rickrack. There's that zigzaggy yeah. Uh, yeah. stuff. In um, it is they're they're assaultively cute. They really are. Yeah, you just want to cuddle the crap out of them when you when you mm-hmm. see them. And and my problem is that my dog thinks they are assaultively <laughs> so they have to be up very high. Uh. <laughs> And somebody gave her a sock monkey toy once. And I was like, do, do you know what that's like for me to watch her with that? <laughs> did, you, did you think about me when you bought her? Because that's um, stressful. 
Yeah, because she just destroys any kind of toy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my sock monkeys are up very high, not in a great spot. There's mm-hmm. just not really a good spot for them. I need to figure out a better place. But um, yes, they are assaultively cute. I can also say that Eric and I each made a sock monkey once. Do you remember that? Yeah, it had to have been, what, the 90s? Yes. I mean, so we're talking like maybe 25, 30 years ago now, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, we had gone to Farm and Fleet. I think we visited mm-hmm. Wisconsin and gone to a Farm and Fleet, found the socks, saw that there were directions on it, and we were like, okay, let's give it a try. Um, it's something that I think the quality of sock monkeys that pop up in stores are often um, people who have a little more practice at sewing. Than, than I do. Um, but it was fun. And they, you know, it. they turned out really cute. They did. I have both of them. I should mm-hmm. take, I'll take a picture of them mm-hmm. um, to, to go up on Facebook. Because they are really cute. Um, you know, they are, they are not the best sock monkeys in the world. But they are part of my collection. Mm-hmm. And I, I do them. They mm-hmm. make me happy. Yeah. And they were fake. And I, I have often thought, like, I should make another one. Um, but make this one with like some clothing or something. Cause we did not, I think by the time we got done, we were both just happy that we had successfully made the monkeys. Well, and successfully is relative, but sure. They can look like monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, um, we didn't make anything else. I have, um, one other sock animal in my collection. Mm-hmm. I had, I had a couple other ones, but I, I sort of weeded them out because I decided I really was focused on sock monkeys. But I kept the sock owl because it's amazing. Uh-huh. It's really, really good, and I love it. Um, but I had a sock reindeer, and I can't remember what else. But um, I would yeah, love to have yeah. a sock-topus. A sock-topus. You know, that that is something that more sock crafts are made now without those socks. They're made with just regular socks. Mm-hmm. And I have definitely seen instructions on how to make a sock to puss. Oh. I, without the Right. And I mean, it would just be, I think that would be easy to sew, except you would have so yeah. many legs to put on. That would be rough. Um, yeah, but you different color socks for the legs. Ooh. Um, there was a hot minute where you and I were kind of, daring ourselves to make sock monkeys out of thick and thins. Yes. Um, which, I don't know, that just would be wrong. I think it would be a travesty, but... Yeah. Um, in the, sort of the spirit of quilting in some ways, too, um, you know, I have tons of really, like, thick work socks that you know, could be repurposed for that. And I'm guessing it it probably would be pretty easy to find directions on the internet. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, socks that have lost their mate. Mm -hmm. Um, My memory is that you needed a pair. You do need a pair to make the monkey guess. Yeah, for all the different parts, it takes both. So, so yeah, it's um, sort of a twofer. It's like a... uh, you know, finding completed ones at thrift stores, but it also could make a great sort of craft project. 
Yep, if you find the socks. And they don't have to be new. That's the great thing. Yeah. Right? You don't find new socks. I, I would love to see one made out of Argyle. I have definitely seen mass-produced ones made out of Argyle. Oh, wow. Not me. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time. And my dog is starting to snore. Okay. Well, that's perfect timing to stop. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. You, you can, can find, find us, us ThriftyCast on Facebook. I love thrifting. <laughs> L-U-V on Instagram. Um, I'm sort of quasi-starting a TikTok. I'm obsessed with TikTok lately. So um, if you're interested in seeing my TikTok, it's called, um, it's Let's Go Thrifting 1970, which may or may not be the year I was born. It totally is. So uh, again, Let's Go Thrifting no spaces, no dashes, none of that. Let's go thrifting 1970. I have a video up where I just walked up to a ceramic dog and said I like this dog. So, like, don't get too enthused about the content right now. Wow, you are selling it. Yeah, I, I haven't really gotten the hang of TikTok, but as time goes by, I want to start adding more in, um, you know, sort of showing my cart, like, when I'm loading yeah. my cart up into the car, you know, that kind of stuff. So... Um, hopefully it'll get better. There's not much there now, but, um, but I'm on there. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.